0: Is up and welcome to Beer Breakdown, where we dig into the stories behind some of our favorite beers with the brewers that brew them. My name is Gary, I'm the founder of Hop LA, and man, it has been a minute since I got back on the mic. Uh, we last published episodes of Beer Breakdown, I think a year ago. Going into season two, I am very excited to be welcoming a bucket list guest. This is someone that I uh, never thought we'd be able to interview and it just so happened that things lined up we we're able to make it happen uh this is julian Shrego, co-owner and brewmaster of beechwood brewing someone that i really really look up to i think is doing an amazing job and we're talking to julian uh the week of their 10-year anniversary a very special milestone for beechwood uh, one of the best breweries in los angeles if not southern california as a whole Uh, especially if you are a west coast ipa drinker you know that beachwood is at the very very top of your list at least it is for me we talk a lot about uh, julian's background how he got into beer from the homebrewing side of things going up into opening up beachwood and uh, some of the philosophy behind beachwood why they do what they do what makes them so special some really insightful info but most importantly we dig into two very special beers uh, these are their two anniversary beers. So this first one is a Hoptical Telescope. It is a West Coast-style double IPA, 10%, 100-plus IBUs, a lot of hops. This is a big, delicious, wonderful beer, very special that you have to get your hands on. Um, and then the other beer is barrel genesis which is a bourbon barrel-age English-style barley wine uh, that I think is 12%. I uh, think we are thirteen percent, so we neglected to mention this in the episode, but a very, very delicious beer as well, so just a special time and if you are a fan of Beechwood, if you've never heard of them before, we're like, what are you thinking first and foremost? but um, the quality is you know it is what it is it's it's amazing, it's the top of its game, um, but the accessibility of the beer is not the quality that it is. Um, some of Beachwood's beers you can find at the market at the grocery store at some of your neighborhood liquor stores Uh, their flagship beers are incredible and they're super accessible which I think makes them so good and so approachable once again just had a blast talking to Julian such a great guy smart creative um, and just really friendly overall so Um, I highly recommend you pick up these beers, this Hoptical Telescope, this Barrelogenesis. Genesis. Pick them up first. So pause the podcast now, get the beers, then come back, crack them open, and listen to the podcast while you drink them. I think it'll be a little bit better. But either way, we're happy to bring you uh, the first episode of season two. We got a bunch more coming up. Can't wait to dig into it. And without further ado, I'm going to present to you Julian Schrego, co-owner, brewmaster, and my friend of Beachwood Brewing. Before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hilo Liquor. Yes, Hilo Liquor, one of the best bottle shops in the L.A. area. Their beer buyer, Tim, works super hard to pick up some of the best beers you can ever get your hands on in the LA area. Trust me, I've checked them all out. Hilo is the best. Uh, Tim does a great job stocking up um, all of your local favorites but also some really hard to find, really rare, really cool beers from around Southern California, throughout the state, as well as outside California as well. Really, really cool stuff. uh, they have stores in Culver City as well as Long Beach. And just if you haven't been there, you gotta check them out. You walk in, you're instantly transported to the coolest bottle shop you've ever been to. You you like feel cooler yourself just walking into it. It instantly makes you cooler. Uh, but then you look over towards the coolers where they keep all the beer and you're in heaven. Uh, such a great selection. Uh, They do such an amazing job, and we couldn't recommend them enough. Uh, So first step, follow them on Instagram. You're going to want to follow at Hilo Liquor. That's the store. But then also at the same time, follow at Hilo Beer. That's just their beer program, and that's where they're posting all the latest uh, new additions to their inventory when they get them. So you're gonna wanna like turn on notifications, really stay up to date there because they get some really, really cool, rare stuff. And sometimes it sells out really fast. So you're gonna wanna get your hands on them. Next, Hiloliquor.com, go to their website and you can order your beers for delivery to your door in Los Angeles. It's a pretty cool thing these days. Um, They're also doing shipping throughout California, but to all my LA people, if you can't get into the store, order it for delivery to your house. It's just, it's brainless. You got to do it. Um, So yeah, Hilo Liquor, amazing shop, amazing people, amazing products. you got to check them out. Hilo, drink well. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially this week, like what a what a big week for you guys. 10 years. It's been pretty crazy. Yeah, there's uh, like the last
1: couple of weeks have been some pretty deep introspection, lots of emotions sublimating and and just a lot of thoughts going on. It's it's been a big time for us for sure.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, it's a milestone, you know, uh the beer industry is young and I mean, 10 years is like I mean you can call that a mature brewery at this point in time, right?
1: I think so, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been it's been a really wild ride. It's been probably the most rewarding thing that I've done in my entire life. Uh it's also been, you know, probably the most challenging. It continues to be the most challenging thing that I do.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm super appreciative to have you on here just because like as I've been working on Hopped LA, just starting off as just like a fun little thing. And now it's putting considerable amount of time into, I wouldn't call it a goal, but like, we've always kind of tried to get to this point where we'd feel comfortable reaching out to you and like having a conversation and doing some kind of content with you. And Mm -hmm. uh, it just feels like finally, we've gotten to that point. So Uh, Not like fanboy or anything like that, but I just really respect the work that you've done and like the direction that you, your career and and Beachwood has taken. Um, So it's just like, it's pretty awesome to, uh, to kind of see that from afar and then, you know, get to, get to chat with you a little more in depth today. That's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to get into your anniversary release. That's kind of the whole point of this beer breakdown thing. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'd love to chat a little bit more about, you know, Dig into your talking about this is the most rewarding thing you've done and just maybe dig into some of the, the early goings and stuff. If there's anybody that's listening that, you know, doesn't know what Beachwood is uh, and for whatever reason, what, is, what would you say? Like, what's like kind of a short description of what Beechwood's all about?
1: Beachwood is I, I mean, it, on the consumer side, it's it's a, a brewery and also a restaurant. That doesn't really mean anything, but um, I would say as a business, we're a small privately owned business. Uh, Gabe and uh, and I are the uh, the primary owners, along with his his wife Lena is also my business partner. But we're we're definitely working owners, and we're very involved in the daily operations of the business. But more than anything else, Beachwood is a place that is founded on creative autonomy. We really kind of we basically do what we want whenever we want. If there are certain foods that we want to explore, we'll go do that. If there are certain beer styles or techniques or processes or anything that we want to do, we don't feel constrained. So Beechwood is a place that is very experimental and always tries to create the best beer possible. And I think anybody who's been drinking Beechwood beers, some of them that we've been producing for upwards of 10 years, I think a lot of our fans have noticed an evolution of those beers not just in and of themselves but an evolution of Beechwood beer in general. I think the beer continues uh to improve because we have creative autonomy and we can always make changes whenever we want.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, you see brewers that have a certain nostalgia for a particular recipe or a particular process when years later You know, the market changes, obviously people's tastes evolve and things look very different in today's beer community than they did 10 years ago. And I think it's difficult to be able to like, let go and be like, all right, I, this is what we've established. I'm very happy with this. This is what feels comfortable. Uh, I don't want to change it. And forcing yourself to do that, to play around in, in experimentation, I think it doesn't come easy to a lot of people, especially I think in the beer world when, you know, sometimes you can be so process driven.
1: It didn't come easy to me at first. And when we opened Beechwood, I think uh, the market was a little bit different. And it was almost like the brewer could do whatever they wanted and the consumer was along for the ride. Well, I think if one product above any changed that notion, it was hazy IPA. Right. Because you had some breweries that seemed to be surging in popularity, not just with the style, but just in and of themselves were, were surging we almost centered around that style entirely and so uh the consumer i think had much more sway over what breweries made and uh you you do have to be receptive to that i and i think you can do that and still remain true to who you are as a brewer and as a business owner and so for me when i kind of disabuse myself to the notion that i'm only going to brew what i want to brew and that's it period, I, I realized that our fans were asking us to to delve into these styles because they thought we would be good at it, not because they wanted us to jump on some bandwagon. And that was really humbling to kind of take that in. And uh, we still are a West Coast brewery at the core, right? and that's 70 to 75% of what we produce. And then we do a lot of other specialty beers. So I don't mind uh, going a little bit... Um, outside the lines and, and doing those other things. i in fact, I'm, I'm happy to now I embrace it. It was a little, a little uncomfortable at first, but I had to, I had to get over my own ego about what was holding me
0: back. Right. Yeah, no, that, that, that kind of frames it perfectly. And I think that, um, what I've always found unique about you in particular is, uh, just from what I've read online from previous interviews, like you have a background in engineering, right? Yeah. So you have this like more scientific background and then I've seen you perform live playing music on stage a handful of times. So like you have that musician creative side. I don't know, just like, I feel like the blend of of both um, parts of your personality, like trying to apply that to beer because certain people lean, I think a little one way or over the other. And that manifests itself sometimes in the end result in the product itself. So I think like beachwood if you look at you know what you guys have put out over the years i think balance is something that really comes to mind um but also like that experimental creative side i think really really shines through kind of like what you're saying uh and as
1: an engineer i always felt that at its most integrated level engineering was a blend of art and science mostly science And I feel that a lot of a lot of industries parallel that. I think architecture on its highest level is a blend of art and science. I think cooking at its most integrated level, uh, even even music, Uh, like if, if to be a really good musician, whether you're aware of it or not, I think you have to have some kind of mathematical formulaic understanding of of how notes fit together, how chords fit together. And brewing, I think, at least for me, has always felt like a natural extension of those sensibilities, Uh, science with art blended in.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And definitely, I think, um, you know, when those things are in harmony, that's when you have something really special happening. Um, You know, now that you're 10 years in, if you think back, you know, 10 plus years ago, um, you started out as a home brewer, right? Mm -hmm. That home brewer route. And from what I've read also, like, it seemed like you were networking, like you weren't home brewing in your garage by yourself and just like doing your own thing. Like you were networking with other brewers and there was a relationship with lost Abbey, right. That, that kind of like, um, maybe started the transition for you going more professional.
1: Yeah, uh, I certainly owe Tommy Arthur uh, a lot of credit for the opportunities that he gave me and the friendship that he's provided over all these years, along with other people like Jeff Bagby, Vinny Chalurzo, Roger Davis. Um, I had I had the good fortune uh, of when I was kind of a, a really passionate home brewer in the early 2000s of, of forming friendships with a lot of these guys when they were really accessible pub brewers you go into the brew pub at Pete's Port in Solana Beach and Tommy was there brewing. You could go to Russian River's brew pub in downtown Santa Rosa and Vinny was there up on the brew deck and you could wave at him and he'd come down and talk to you. But yeah, the the guys at Pete's Port gave me several opportunities over the years to brew some of my homebrew recipes on their systems. It was a tremendous opportunity and I'm so thankful that that they did that. It gave me exposure to scaling up recipes uh, and exposure to all the processes and seeing how dirty I was willing to get on a professional <laughs> level. So
0: yeah. yeah, sometimes you need like a little bit of view into how uh, how the sausage is really made at that you know at that <laughs> scale uh, to give you a sense right. like all right, is this the direction I want to take things or do I prefer keeping it nice and manageable in my garage? And so yeah, I think you know getting that that peak is interesting. And what before I even learned that about you that you kind of started out, you know, collaborating with people like Tommy and, and, and Jeff Bagby and stuff like that. You know, I had noticed that you were kind of doing the same thing after you opened Beachwood, like the collaborations with Kelsey McNair when he was just a home brewer. And so this kind of like paying it forward type of thing seems to be a theme for you. Uh, I always thought that was super cool.
1: It It's important to do that. I, I, definitely believe in paying it forward and and giving back. Uh, Good things don't happen in a vacuum. And uh, to this day, any success that I have had, I owe a debt of gratitude to a lot of other people. My family has always supported me on this. My wife has always been unwaveringly supportive. My business partners for creating a space that allows me creative freedom and so many other people in in the industry. So, yeah, Kelsey I've known Kelsey for many many years. In fact, I think we first met at the Southern California Homebrew Festival, I want to say back in 2006, and then I think we we met up again at the National Homebrewers Conference in Denver, I think in 07 is when it was, but we formed a friendship really quickly and and I was I was First of all, Kelsey's a phenomenal world-class brewer. And so it was really easy for me to collaborate with him and brew one of his beers even before North Park had opened. And, uh, you know, any opportunities I get to volunteer for the Brewers Association or with the California Craft Brewers Association, I I, I, I take those opportunities um, because the industry has given me so much.
0: Yeah, that's... I think it's pretty amazing to see, um, you know, you taking that homebrew to pro route and what you've been able to grow with Beachwood and then seeing someone like Kelsey and North Park Beer Company and what they've grown into up to this point. It's pretty amazing. And I've also noticed just from like following Beachwood on social media, seeing more and more different brewers uh, from your team um, as you guys have grown and expanded um, you've got quite a, a team of of talent over there. How's it been developing that and kind of growing and nurturing that? Like you said, the creative experimentation with with some of the the younger guys underneath you.
1: It's been great. It's uh, you know, developing people is it it takes time and effort and and you have to really care. Uh, you know and I, I can't really take credit for for the the beers that Beechwood is brewing right now. I mean that's my team. Doing all the heavy lifting and and hard work uh and making making those things happen. In fact, our 10th anniversary double IPA, the recipe was put together by Daniel Price, who is our principal brewery manager in Huntington Beach. Um, but it's it's incredibly rewarding. And nothing makes me happier than tasting a Beechwood beer, and it's perfect, and I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's incredibly
0: rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, going off of, you know, the, you mentioned the anniversary beer, that's kind of what I'm all about today. And I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that, particularly because Beechwood anniversary beers have always been like a thing for me. There's like a milestone, you know, and especially because, uh, up until, you know, the past couple of years, I guess, um, Beachwood barbecue had an anniversary and Beachwood brewing had an anniversary. So you kind of like, as a consumer, you got two Beachwood anniversaries every year, which is always really fun. Um, But the beers that you guys put out is so cool. Um, I always look forward to those beers. I think that they're, they're always like just really special.
1: Well, thank you. And uh, we always enjoy making them. We were super
0: sad that last
1: year we didn't really have the opportunity to do an anniversary beer, it, it, it seemed a little, uh, well, I, I, we didn't really have the capacity to do it last year. Um, but it, it, you know, the restaurant wasn't really fully reopened yet. We couldn't fully celebrate. We were still in the thick of COVID. Um, so we didn't do one last year, but a couple of the anniversary beers have been brewed several times since like green shift was a, an anniversary beer oh. um, that's been brewed and canned multiple times. Hypernicus was another, anniversary double ipa uh that we've rebrewed a few times so uh they're not always one and done sometimes they make a reappearance
0: oh that's good to know Mm -hmm. uh so bring me up to speed on this one i'm gonna grab a can of it right now i've been keeping it. i
1: will too let's do this together cool all right so this is optical telescope so you can look into the broad cosmos of, of hops in the universe. This beer has the the same bones as any gargantuan West Coast double IPA from Beachwood. We hop the gills out of all of our double IPAs. Uh, we always mash hop with flowers. Um, we usually do anywhere from seven six to seven kettle additions, and they're always double dry hopped. And in the case of this beer, um, the, the first dry hopping is with uh, some of our favorite hops, Idaho 7, Mosaic, Equinaut, and then uh, Sultana is one that we haven't really used before. So that was uh, a quarter of the dry hop uh, in the fermenter. And then the double dry hop in the bright tank uh, was Sultana flowers and Idaho 7 pellets. So it got a second dry hopping with, with flowers and pellets. And that definitely Uh, super saturates the aroma and flavor profile. I mean, this beer is just a wall of hop flavor that just sits on your
0: palate. But were they supposed to open it? (laughs) Yeah, let's open it. Let's do it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, when I uh, was thinking about, you know, I know I've seen you around at festivals and I've kind of been around you at different events. The only time we ever had a conversation, I don't know if you remember this, but it was, um IPA festival and i was asking you about your favorite uh aroma hop at the time this is 2018 and you were talking about how you're all into mosaic um has that changed How, how do you feel about mosaic and is there anything that you another hop that you're really excited about Uh, mosaic is still one of
1: the, for me, one of the most magical hops out there because it has such a breadth of flavor and aroma. It really is a mosaic, um, of hop flavors and aromas. And it's very, it's very effective. Um, it seems to be a really, just a really good hop, uh, even in small quantities. Um, some newer varieties that I'm excited about. I love strata that hop has a ton of crazy, awesome aroma, Um, And we're going to start folding that in the beers next year. Nice. Uh, Another one that I'm excited about, which I don't know anybody else who's utilizing it as a dry hop, is Pato, Mm. which is a really, really high alpha, like very resinous hop that has crazy high thiol content. What does that mean? It means it smells like super skunky weed. (laughs) So when we brew beers with that, uh with that particular hop and we dry hop with Pato P A H T O um there's definitely like a big like indica component to it
0: oh that sounds interesting
1: very sounds intense cool.
0: so so uh this is a beauty of a beer wow thank you wow i mean i mean appearance wise the color just exactly what you want to be seeing and the aromas just like blasting out word mm intense. I'm, I mean, crazy mosaic on the nose for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Do, what? Do, what is the aromatic experience that you're hoping to achieve here? Uh, for me, kind of a mix of, uh,
1: what I'll call some like berry fruits, like, uh, strawberry, uh, blueberry. There's a little bit of passion fruit in there from the mosaic and the Idaho seven. And then there's definitely, um, kind of a, a piney component from the Equinot and, And what I'll call dank, dank resin from uh, the Sultana and also from the Equinot. I mean, it definitely has a really dank resinous component to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely dank and resiny, but it's not like, um, you know, how it can get kind of like dark and sticky. Like that berry aroma brings it up and like keeps it really bright too. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. All right.
1: As far as as malts go in this beer, uh, we used uh, an equal blend of American two row malt and then Idaho grown Pilsner malt. Mm. There's no caramel malt or specialty malt in this beer. We cut right to the chase. Uh, We don't use specialty malts in our double IPAs because we want the hops to shine front and center. And uh, yeah, that's it. Pretty, pretty straightforward grain bill.
0: Yeah, it's really dry. Um, Yeah. Take me through the taste. So you get that just super saturated wall of hop flavor. Oh, it's huge. It's massive. Huge. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you gotta be an IPA hop fan. You have to, you have to have a palate that's conditioned for this because it's big one, you know, like this isn't for the faint of heart. I think, uh, just reading off the stats on the can, 10%, hundred plus IBUs. Like this is a big, big beer here.
1: It is a big beer. It's dry. It hides its alcohol. Well, um, you You get the impression that it's a big beer, but it doesn't taste like it's ten percent alcohol
0: no, not at all. Um yeah, you don't have that alcohol burn, you don't have that like that sweetness that that can sometimes happen on a beer of this size um, right It just the body's really light, so it just keeps the hops front and center. It's really cool
1: cool, thank you. And this is technically the, uh, the session beer compared to the, uh, the other one that we're going to taste in this session. I think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we started big and we're going bigger,
0: right? <laughs> there's no, yeah. You've redefined the concept of session, I guess. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, West coast IPA being a big portion of what you guys brew. Um, and I know that there's some hazy in there as well, which I think you guys really do a good job with. Um, but the other side of things like what I know that the, the brew pub concept and having a variety of beers on draft at the pub and um, at the brew pub was really important. So like what guides your decision making there at this point in time, like 2021 post covid
1: uh, kind of two primary things. One is what styles do we need to kind of round out our our menu, or beer selection, you know, like what's going to create a, a breadth of styles. Like, are we like, oh my God, we only have American style beers on. We need some Belgian styles. We only have, we have too many Belgian styles. Let's get some German styles in there. So um, the first thing would be creating diversity amongst styles. And then the second one is uh, kind of uh, catering to what's, what's popular and making sure that we pick styles so that they move through the pub you know, at the, at at a good pace. Like, do we need to have a German Hefeweizen and a Belgian wit beer on tap at the same time? If you ask a brewer, the answer is yes, you always (laughs) do. Um, But from like a consumer standpoint, you probably don't need to. So that would be an example is like, okay, we need, we need a light wheat beer on the beer menu to kind of round things out. And there are a lot of consumers who want that. Let's choose to go with one or the other.
0: Yeah. Do you get into the beer and food pairing side of things at all? Or are you just kind of like, let's have a variety and let people choose their own adventure? Uh,
1: occasionally, but I'm, I'm kind of convinced that all beer goes with all food, much as uh, heavy metal goes with any mood. There you go. So uh, we, we do, we do, I, I kid, but we do pairing <laughs> sometimes. Uh, there are IPA is a very food friendly beer. Uh, especially with anything spicy or fatty, saison uh, and any kind of blonde Belgian ale is also another very food-friendly style. Yeah, and so yeah, sometimes we we do pairings, and uh, sometimes we're lucky enough to do kind of tap events at um, at bars and restaurants that have developed kitchens, and they'll put together the food pairing. So I get to experience really really cool things. Um, with that, when, when another chef in his imagination is running wild, like, oh, I want to make this, uh, duck confit. And I think it would pair really well with this particular Beechwood beer. And I ah, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's cool that I get to try that.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that another example of the creative evolution of Beechwood, I think is the design aspect, the artwork on the cans. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, it's taken just a massive evolution over the course of the past 10 years. And I think particularly over the last year or so, um, seeing some of these can designs, it's just, there's, there's some playful aspect. They're super creative. Yeah. Can you speak to, I mean, you're, you're not the designer obviously, but do you have a role in that process or what are your thoughts on, on how the artwork goes for the packaging? So, um, my,
1: when it comes to the creative contributions, uh, I mean, I'm more on the, the naming side, but we do have um, uh, local artists that we've been working with almost our entire time. Uh, he His name is Bob Sattler. He lives in Long Beach. He's pretty much done all, with a, a few exceptions, he's done all the beer labels for us, our whole existence. So that evolution, a lot of that has been really defined by his kind of creative avenues. And I feel that he's done a really really excellent job in in capturing kind of capturing and defining a beachwood aesthetic like when you see a beachwood beer on the shelf you're like that's a beachwood beer even before you read the name you can tell it is so that is uh bob sattler and then um uh my marketing director uh trina does uh, works very closely with bob and and does a great job there too
0: yeah that's cool I, i one of the beers that i've kind of obsessed with recently is the uh, Italian Pilsner collab that you guys did uh, and that <laughs> yeah. design that the name, the design, like all of it was just, uh, it was a little bit of a departure, but like not in a, in a complete departure way, but it was like a fun spin with that collab with Highland park. And um, I'm all about Italian Pilsner right now. I think it's having a little bit of a moment and I think for <laughs> a, a hop focused brewery, like a brewer like yourself, like what, what are your thoughts on Italian pills right now? Uh,
1: well, it's interesting. I think Italian pills to a degree is kind of uh, something that American brewers have made up. Because right. <laughs> it, it's funny when I most of the Italian brewers that I've talked to uh, about their Pilsners, they say, oh, yeah, I love brewing German Pilsner. OK. Uh, and, and so they're they're fantastic beers. But I think. um You know, Italy is, you know, obviously right next to Germany, and I'm sure Italian brewers can get fresh German Pilsner quite a bit. But maybe once some of them started adopting Pilsner, they began to influence each other. Italian brewers began to influence each other more than maybe they realized. And so Italian Pilsner kind of became its own thing. And at least in my perception, they tend to be a little bit bigger in body and a little bit hoppier than german pilsners which are very i'll say chiseled and Mm -hmm. and very precise from a flavor standpoint yeah and it kind of combines like the body of maybe a, a a czech pilsner but with you know higher hopping rate and and a snappier bite of a german pilsner so um in the case of our italian pilsner um bob and i talked a lot about that and um and we knew that we wanted to use Italian Pilsner malt, which we did. But as far as hops go, hops aren't really grown in Italy. Right. And we did use some Czech saws in that beer. But uh, Bob really wanted to use Oregon-grown Sterling. And Sterling is really Czech saws that are grown in Oregon. And the terroir completely transforms that hop into something different, but equally magical. And so that was... Sterling was the main driving hop in that beer. And it has tons of flavor, uh, really surprisingly huge aroma in that beer, even though that beer was not dry hopped. Oh, it wasn't? It was not dry hopped, uh-huh. and it has a ton of hop aroma.
0: Yeah, I was under the impression just from the experience that it felt big. It felt the hop presence was, felt like a dry hop
1: it was not dry hop so i'm i'm happy to say that was achieved with no dry hopping and uh, i had a can of it last week and it still had huge hop aroma it just seems to really be durable and and well encapsulated in that beer
0: yeah n- um the name of it was really funny uh there are no chestnuts in this beer is that it
1: no chestnuts in the beer and so yeah. that was <laughs> like we were kind of struggling with a name and that's my horrible creative uh, finality when when I came up with that. But uh, um, when Italian beers started kind of uh, hitting in the United States, I wanna say about 15 15 years ago or so, it seemed like every other one was brewed with chestnuts and I have no idea why. I mean, I've been to Italy in, in the wintertime and there are plenty of street vendors that are serving fresh roasted chestnuts and they're fantastic. Um, why I seem to see, uh, why I found so many Italian beers that were brewed with chestnuts. I have no idea, but it's kind of a, a play on that. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a great beer. Um, Thank you. Optical telescope. I feel like with such a like big hot presence on this beer, there's kind of a, a harmony going on with it. Like there's nothing really like shouting out trying to, the hops aren't competing with each other. The flavor profile is, yeah, I think just like harmonious is the word that comes to mind. It's, it's a really nice, uh, combination. And, um, what is, what is the usage of the whole leaf? Um, what was it? The Sultana, right? Mm -hmm. So using whole leaf Sultana and the dry hop, you know, comparing like if you were using pellet, what is that? How does that change the process? How does it change what I'm experiencing?
1: the, uh, the aroma is very different from flowers and it adds a leafy component to it. And it adds kind of, uh, uh, like I wish there were a better descriptor than, than kind of, uh, vegetative component. Um, but that whole flower aroma is something that I regularly and distinctively get in Sierra Nevada beers because of their use of whole flowers. Right. And, um, I also get in, um, certain pub beers from Pete Support or jeff bagby where they're still dry hopping in the bright tank with whole flowers in fact that was a technique that i entirely got from Pizza support and jeff bagby and tommy arthur it wasn't something that i i came up with on my own it was something that they taught me to do and it was you know kind of like yeah we dry hop the beer in the fermenter but it's going into this other tank Why, let's dry hop it there too and uh, flowers have a certain loft, so they will kind of expand and different uh, aroma components will dissolve into the beer differently than they will with processed, ground-up pellets. So for us, it, it adds a distinctively like fresh, leafy component. Um, depending on the hop variety, it will add maybe almost like a fresh-cut watermelon component. Hmm. Um, it can add an extra level of dankness, but it's just it's another form of hops and it, it just, it's another layer of depth. Yeah. So I, I think with our double IPAs, I, I don't know. I don't know that we quite get the same depth of flavor and aroma if we didn't do the double dry hopping. I mean, that's something that we've always done with our double IPAs and then the mash hopping. We also use mosaic hop flowers in the mash. Um, because every opportunity to get hops in there, we're looking for it. So when the grain is coming into the mash tun with the hot water and everything is mixing together, we're casting hop flowers into that too. So the beer is is hopped before we even move any sweet liquid to the boil kettle.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And that's, I mean, at that point in time, you're really just looking to pull all the alpha acid, the the bitter character out. that point in time are you getting much on the aroma side of things that early
1: i think we are um there's a little bit of uh a a little bit of chemistry and and a few studies that have been done on hopping in the mash and basically because of the temperatures and the concentrations of everything in the grain bed Um, the way those hop components permanently bind to the liquid is a little different than in the boil kettle. But I, if you taste that sweet liquid coming off of the mash, it's definitely hoppy. It's also definitely aromatic too. And I think that, I think that gets bound up in the beer, uh, really early on and that, that kind of helps create a really big foundation for the beer. That's So, I mean, for example, this beer, it's, it's hoppy. It's firmly hoppy, but it's not crushingly bitter. It's not like, oh my God, this is so bitter. All I taste is bitter. No. It's it's a whole wall of flavor. And I think that's because we add hops at every opportunity, A through Z.
0: Yeah. My tongue is just like, it's got that tingly salivation thing going on when it gets mm-hmm. stimulated by a beer like this with so, so much hop presence. It's really cool.
1: Cool. Yeah. All right.
0: So... In the interest of switching gears to a completely other direction, yes. let's, uh, let's check out this second beer that you guys are releasing for the anniversary. Okay, let's do it.
1: And I'm going to pull up my limited edition System of a Stout glass.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And by the way, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm going to brag, I'm pretty sure I have the world's best bottle opener ever. Oh, this hell kitchen yeah. kitchen bottle opener is, it, it, I think it weighs... Almost, it weighs well over a pound. It is solid metal. That is heavy duty. I've had this for like 25 years. It's awesome. Oh, that is awesome. But we're going to go ahead and bust through that wax. There we go. And so I will talk about barrelogenesis and this was actually our fifth anniversary beer um and we we did an english barley wine that was aged in bourbon barrels for our fifth anniversary Mm. and right at the beginning of the pandemic uh in 2020 when things shut down we had just brewed a fresh batch of a kind of a newer english barley wine and uh it went into um it went into i believe it was rebel yell barrels and We we realized like the timing was just right when this was about to come out of barrels with oh my god, this is right around the time of our anniversary. This let's bring back barrelogenesis and let's let's do kind of like a double header sale, let's do optical telescope, let's do barrelogenesis and celebrate these two beers for our 10th anniversary. But it's a super huge chewy english barley wine uh really deep caramel flavors uh we are actually using scottish uh heirloom barley as the base malt in this but gets boiled for a really long time to concentrate all those flavors and then it was aged in uh rebel yellow barrels for a little over 12 months
0: wow that is a beauty obviously the uh design Playing into the, I mean, just like they go well together,
1: they do, and you can I mean, kind of see the the parallels with the artwork too.
0: Yeah, uh, really, really cool. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so take me through this beer, um, English style barley wine. Mm-hmm. You do have like um, a little bit of like translucence in this in this beer a little bit. It's yes. not, you know, it's I guess kind of like a a dark brown um, with like. Yep hinges of like Auburn.
1: It's almost like, it's almost like a Cola colored. Yeah. Uh, and so the beer goes into the barrel kind of like a medium Brown, but it does pick up quite a bit of color. It darkens quite a bit from the char that's in the barrel. Hmm. So it picks up color in the barrel. Um, but if we're going to start with aroma, it's got, you know, obviously you get, you get Big bourbon in there um, and you get uh, a faint hint of cinnamon there's some vanilla in there there 's a lot of rum soaked raisin and there's even a hint of tobacco mm. in there and then when you taste the beer it's got a it it's got a very uh like rich caramel toffee flavor and it's got a pretty pretty big mouthfeel and definitely finishes with a sweetness
0: yeah it's really nice. Yeah. Nice, hefty body coats your mouth. Like it's really, it's rich. You know, there's a richness to this. Very rich. And there's a certain viscosity to
1: it by design, because one thing that we've figured out over the years of doing these spirit barrel aged beers is the spirit can kind of, it's a very assertive component and as wonderful as it is, it can kind of chip away at the body of the beer. So you have to combat that up front and design a beer that has a lot of body up front so that when you pull it out of the barrel, it still has a lot of body and, and is really supportive of all those flavors and aromas. And so this beer, you could take, you could finish this bottle. I mean, if you wanted to finish it on your own, you could drink it over the period of an hour, even two hours. You could start with it cool and, and let it warm up to room temperature. It's one of those things that really opens up. And every time I go back to it, I find something different. So I like I like the fact that it's a sipper. It lets me think about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this would pair really well with like any with food, obviously. Like, I feel like I'm not a smoker at all, but like, I feel like a cigar pairs really well with something like this. Like, I kind of feel like there's like a natural pairing there. I don't. I might, are you a cigar smoker?
1: Uh, definitely not. No, uh, not me it, it might. It- there is a tobacco component to the flavor and the yeah. aroma so i could if you are a cigar smoker go for it uh let let us know how it is right um i could also see this pairing really well with uh some kind of rich chocolate dessert or like a, a rich cheesecake or even uh even a really good fruit cake too
0: yeah i was thinking like a like a caramel apple pie type of thing um sure yeah, that just yeah. go really well with all the caramel mm-hmm. going on in this. Totally. Yeah, this is really good. Um, so, when you're when you're barrel aging a beer like this, and you're tasting it and just getting ready, you know, making sure that it's ready to go, um, is there a blending process that happens after that, or do you? Like, do you blend in fresh barley wine to kind of beef things up or how does that whole thing work?
1: That's a good question. And yes, uh, almost all of our barrel aged beers are blended, not just uh, because we're pulling beer out of multiple barrels. But um, I do typically like to blend in um Anywhere from ten to twenty percent non-barrel aged beer into the final beer, mm. and I feel uh, that that can kind of freshen things up and help the beer bloom, if you will. Uh, sometimes straight barrel aged beer works great. Uh, other times it can be a little, uh, a little assertive and overpowering, and you gotta kind of reestablish the identity of the base beer by blending in some non-barrel aged base beer. So typically with Beechwoods barrel-aged beers, we'll fill anywhere from four to eight barrels. uh, And then we'll also reserve a portion of that same beer in stainless steel for a year. So we can blend that in after the year has passed uh, during the aging process. And that will kind of freshen things up and fill in any gaps that might be in the beer. And then in the case of something like... uh, uh, Sadie, which is a beer that we release annually, and the base uh, base beer is kind of, I guess I'd call it a modified Scotch ale of sorts. That is a different blend every year, and that sometimes gets uh, milk stout blended into it, sometimes imperial stout. Uh, we've even blended in imperial stout, um, coconut stout, and a little red ale to it. So it changes a little bit every year, but typically um our beers are uh are are blended at the end of the process and have non-barrel aged beer in them to a degree one of the exceptions to that would be our release of uh Draper's Dram
0: mm, yeah uh,
1: that we did last year and that is kind of a Manhattan cocktail inspired beer that's aged in rye whiskey barrels and that did not get any base beer blended back into it. That was one of the times when we pulled the beer out of the barrel and we just said, Hey, this is, this is it. It's ready to go.
0: Yeah. So it's, uh, an opportunity to let our version of like terroir dictate where, where you go with the beer the final product, right? Like you see what did the barrels give you after X amount of time and then decide, where do we take it from here? Where do we want it to go from here? And then make that decision after that, right? Yep. yep.
1: And blending is a super powerful tool. Uh, I used to think early on in brewing, like, why, why don't you just brew the beer that you want, put that in the barrel, and then you should be good. Like, why are you blending? And I, I realized over time, actually, after doing also after doing a barrel-aged beer that didn't turn out the way that I wanted to, and then blending in, Uh, different beers to get the flavor that I I was looking for. I realized that blending is a very powerful tool to really precisely dial in the flavor profile. And if anything is missing, um, or if anything needs to be enhanced or diminished in, in a beer, when you pull it out of the barrel, blending is the ultimate tool.
0: And so what does the barrel program look like at Beachwood? I, I haven't been, actually haven't been to the Huntington beach facility, uh, since before you guys took that space over. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's where the majority of your barrels live, right?
1: Well, um, our, the barrel-aged beers are all actually brewed out of the pub. Oh, they are? They're all brewed out of the pub in Long Beach, uh, simply because that's where we have the, the capacity to kind of make those beers as opposed to Huntington Beach, which is pretty tied up with demand for core cool. beer and year-round yeah. beer but uh our barrel program is is fairly small at any given time we have anywhere between 10 and 30 uh spirit barrels filled with beer i think right now i think we've got 10 filled
0: is that something that you want to do more of less of it's perfect where it's at or how do you feel about barrels for Beechwood in the future uh, i i love doing
1: barrel aged beers and i know uh our fans love the stuff and and our brewers really like diving into it and for us uh, a small scale program is good it works well for us and i think during well during covid we we had to kind of be really judicious about what we were brewing and make sure that we were focusing our efforts where they were needed so um during covid we i think we only we really kind of only brewed one barrel aged beer and that was sadie because we were intent on releasing that beer annually. But we recently did a large batch of full malted jacket that went into two different types of barrels. So that will be ready in a little over a year. Um, And then, yeah, we're going to try and get back on track to do um, a barrel aged beer quarterly. That's the goal. Awesome. And so what we're hoping is that kind of starting maybe in, sometime in 2022 is that we'll have more regular releases of barrel-aged beers once again.
0: Nice. And the Beechwood blendery side, we haven't talked anything about, but that is exclusively barrel. And, um, do you, what's your involvement in that project? Like, are you brewing the work for that? Or, I mean, I know you specifically, but do you have like, um, a say in what's going on there obviously you have some say right uh
1: i i i do but one of the one of the reasons why blendery uh does does so well is because they have their own creative uh autonomy really within the Beechwood enterprise and harrison mccabe is the barrel master and the one who runs the daily operations at blendery and he does a phenomenal job Uh, he, he's got an amazing palate, amazing predictive sensibilities when it comes to those beers. So he doesn't need my help.
0: That's for sure. So So it's kind of a hands-off for you. Mostly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm involved to a degree, um, technical advisor, but no Harrison, Harrison really guides that ship.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, some really creative stuff coming out of there and it's obviously the parent brand of Beachwood, um, But yeah, it's a different flavor. It's a different spin on things. And it's just as high quality as everything else you're putting out. So I wasn't sure how consistent you were in having your hands in the project just because it's so good and it's so consistent that, you know, it seems like that would be a challenging thing to do. I mean, obviously I think the hardest part in this is finding talent and, giving them the confidence and the trust to let them do their thing. Right. It,
1: uh, you know, as the saying goes, good help is hard to find and we're (laughs) fortunate that we found it. Giving people creative freedom and letting them have a say in in what is produced is really energizing and it's really empowering. And uh, I, you know, I know our, our staff really enjoys having that.
0: Yeah. It's awesome to see. Um, so for these two releases um how big were these batches like are they going out into distro or is it something people need to come into the pub or to the brewery and and pick up
1: uh optical telescope is going into what i'll call like local local distro Uh um la county orange county san diego county uh barrel genesis is pretty limited we only did uh rough we did roughly 100 cases of that beer and uh that's available primarily at the pub and we'll we'll probably send a small amount in the distribution
0: cool cool yeah so for anybody listening two fantastic unique uh but truly beechwood at the heart beers like you're going to drink these beers and you're going to have a sense if you know Beachwood at all that these come from the brewery that you know and love. So really well done. I mean, you, you continue you. to execute on that over and over again uh, with a consistency that is just it's awe inspiring for sure. Um, it, one question for you. If you were looking at your, your portfolio of beers, uh, I guess the cores and also the limited stuff. Um, is there, can you pick a desert Island out of that? Is there one that you consistently go to? Um, yeah. Anything that any favorites of my own beers of your own beers? Yes. Ooh. uh, Um,
1: it would, it would probably be amalgamator. Uh, it's a, it's a very special beer to me. Mosaic is still one of my favorite hops of all time. Uh, that may change, but amalgamator is aromatic flavorful, dry, very drinkable. I mean, I, I tell people it's heavy metal on a glass and, you know, uh, good loud chords in a, in a solid groove, never get old. So.
0: Yeah, there you go. I feel like you can't go wrong. Like that's like a quintessential Southern California, West coast IPA. That's the model that anybody should be trying to follow. Uh, whenever someone's asking for a recommendation from me, that's like, Amalgamator is something that you can't go wrong with. It's such a, it's it's a, it's a great beer. And um, I don't want to go too deep into it, but you, you mentioned at the top that, you know, knowing when to evolve and knowing when uh, to creatively tweak recipes and things like that, has that gone through an evolution or is that like something that's been tried and true for a while?
1: It's something that continues to evolve each it. Uh intermentable revision is is a big thread in the fabric of Beechwood. So we're I I think if you talk to my brewers, there isn't a week that goes by where I don't say something like, Hey guys, let's tweak this one little aspect or this process. Um, or where are we with refining this one thing? So we're always looking for ways to improve, and that's not just driven by our own palates and our own tastes, but it's driven by beers that we drink every day and beers by breweries from around the world and even local ones. If I go to a local brewery and and have a phenomenal IPA and it's better than ours, guess what guys, we got to try a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's... Inspiration comes from all around and that, that drive comes from all around.
0: Yeah, that's important. Um, as, as you're hitting 10 years at Beachwood here, you mentioned a lot of reflection, like any takeaways for how you feel about the, the last 10 years or any, uh, moments of, of clarity as you're coming up on, on this decade?
1: No regrets. Yeah. I have no regrets. Uh, you know, the, the, the highs have been unimaginably amazing. And, and some of the, the tribulations, and these are really all self-wrought problems because nobody forced me to become a brewer or a business owner. Uh, but they've been, they've been really difficult and, and challenging, but it's, it's all been worth it. And whenever I'm at an event, whether it's an industry event or a consumer event, or I'm at the pub, um, I I take stock in that and I reflect on that and I don't take it for granted. And it feels special every time that doesn't get old. So no regrets. That's, that's kind of my, my summary of, of all the 10 years.
0: Beautiful. And uh, I'll ask the question that I've, uh, haven't asked anybody for the past year and a half is what are you looking forward to in, the future, whether that's near future, like if you're looking at the next five to 10 years, is there anything that you're thinking about um, that you want to achieve or that you envision taking Beachwood as a brand? You don't have to have anything or share anything, but if there's anything top of mind that that you've been thinking about.
1: I do want to continue to grow the brand. And one thing that I've kind of I, I've realized over the last couple of years as we've grown the brand is uh, grown the brand and the business is being able to hire people that are much more talented at for example managing the financials than uh than other people in the company might be or or hiring people that are better at, at understanding distribution or marketing than i am so hiring growing the business to the point where you can hire all the dream resources that you need and then i can really focus entirely on shaping beer's processes and procedures that will get us the best beer possible and also uh anything that affords me more time to be an industry advocate because I really enjoy doing that and I enjoy giving back as much as I can
0: love it sounds amazing um julian thank you so much for joining me on this uh episode of beer breakdown had a blast digging into a uh, optical telescope, as well as barrel of Genesis, two beers for the price of one. And uh, <laughs> I got to say it's early afternoon on a Friday. I'm feeling it a little bit. All right. Um, but right. I mean, that's what you got to be feeling. It's 10 years of Beachwood. Got to celebrate. Sure. right?
1: Sure. Well, Gary, <laughs> thank you so much for, for having us. And I really appreciate all the support it means a lot.
0: Really appreciate you joining me and uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy uh, the 10 year celebration um man you've really you've really earned it you've built something special and can't wait to see what you do next thank you appreciate it all right take care you too and that does it for this episode of beer breakdown with julian Trego of beachwood brewing man what an awesome episode learned so much had such a good time and drank some really fantastic beers as well Uh, Be sure to follow Beachwood, at Beachwood Brewing, at Beachwood Barbecue, as well as follow Hopped LA, at Hopped LA. We're coming out with new content all the time, and you got to stay up on it. And if you're going to follow us anywhere, do it on our email list. Uh, Go to hoppedla.com slash subscribe, and that's where you're going to get all of our latest content, all of our news, giveaways, products, all the cool stuff that we're putting out is going to our newsletter subscribers first. So hoppedla.com slash subscribe. Do it now and thank you so much for listening to this episode um you know do the whole podcast thing go on the itunes and the google play and the spotify and leave the rating and do what you need to do to make sure that we continue putting out more podcasts i'm super glad to be back in the saddle and we'll come back to you in the next couple weeks with the next episode of beer breakdown see you then